Hello, Cryptonauts, and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I'm your host, Jake Jabarelli, with my co-host, who's currently mute tonight, Blockchain John. He will be uh, running the show in the background, uh, showing things on Twitch and, and anyways. Uh, this is episode 495. We're getting really close to 500. Coming up tomorrow, if you don't know about it, we got Blockchain uh, Polygon. What the guy's name, but we'll talk about it at the end of the show. Uh, it is March 8th, 2023. And just so you know, this is International Women's Day. That's what today actually happens to be. I just saw a funny joke. I mentioned this real quick. A funny joke that International Men's Day is on November 19th. And you know what? It's also on November 19th. International Toilet Day. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. Anywho. Let's get on to the news. In the news, we have Mt. Gox creditors have until Friday. This coming Friday, that is two days away if you're watching this. Well, actually, you're going to watch it tomorrow since we don't release until the following day after we, we do this. Anyways, so on Thursday, you have one day until Mt. Gox has it to basically file its claims. Former customers can recoup up to 90%. Hey, that's even less than Celsius. Uh, under the rehabilitation program, um, the rehabilitation trustee for the collapsed Japanese Bitcoin exchange. Now remember, this was years ago. Malgox has not been operating for like a decade, so this is—it's uh, funny that it took them this long to get to this point. <laughs> but um, the original deadline was January 10th, but it was extended two months back in January. Yes, it will be more than sell. That's correct. Um, so, creditors have the option to uh, to receive a repayment as a lump sum or as cryptocurrency repayment bank uh, bank remittance or remittance through some kind of money transfer service. Uh, as they said, ninety percent. It's that I guess that's better than nothing, considering how long they've been waiting for this. In early 2014, the exchange filed for bankruptcy after suffering a loss of 850,000 Bitcoin, 750,000 Bitcoin belonging to customers, and 100,000 of which belonging to the exchange. Altogether, at the time, uh, it was worth just about half a billion dollars. Today, it's worth almost $20 billion. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> it only seems like it's more because of what it is today. But think about it. If you were one of those people who just lost one of the Bitcoins, that would suck. But um, if you lost, you know, 100,000 Bitcoin from that thing, if you're one of those whale customers, oh, my goodness, I would, I totally feel for you, man. No matter what, it's, it's it's worth more now, but it was worth even more not that long ago. Three times what it's worth right, right now. Statement said after the loss, uh, there's a high probability that the money was stolen by hackers. CEO Mark Carpelles uh, attributed the loss to weakness in the company's IT security. Does that mean that you take the IT security out in the back and shoot them? <laughs> Sorry, you guys failed. You just lost the company half a billion dollars. And now, you know, actually it's not 10 years later, but uh, nine years later, it's... Uh, $20 billion. Yeah, well, you know, it's been a long time. But it looks like they're, they're figuring out some way of getting that money back, which is great. Um, so it, yeah, it was this massive, massive crash. In fact, it's funny because I had just gotten into uh, Bitcoin at the time. And so I was just very, barely becoming aware of this hack, which, of course, Bitcoin at the time had been around for five years. So anybody who would gotten their Bitcoin at, you know, four or five cents a coin. Uh, I'm guessing they weren't too disappointed that they lost whatever they had. I mean, if I paid 10 cents a coin, 
Uh, right, no, it's 17 billion today. But if I paid 10 cents a coin on Bitcoin, you know, in the very, very, very beginning, and I had like maybe you know a thousand of them, yeah, you'd be disappointed at what you potentially lost, but you didn't really lose more than you know 100 dollars worth of coin. So, 26,000 uh, Bitcoin for a pizza, right? <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah. So Magox is gonna have to file the repayment claims. That the people are gonna get their money back. Hopefully, the people those people do. Moving on to uh, the Fed chair ponders potential digital dollar to send Bitcoin to zero. What? Congressman Lynch is worried about the CBDC's impact on crypto. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell said he wonders why most cryptocurrencies currently have any value at all. Well, you know what? I wonder the same thing about the U.S. dollar because since the 1970s, we've been off the gold standard. How does the U.S. dollar even have value? Oh, it's because of the promise for the U.S. government to pay you in gold, which they're not going to do because they haven't done. The whole point of a promissory note, which is what a, a, a fiat bill is is literally equal to, is that it is um, valued in gold bullion or silver or something else. And we have not been on that standard for longer than my lifetime. So it's not... Um, it's not something that people can even do. It's really kind of disappointing. In any case, um, why is it that he thinks he's pondering? Remember, this is just pondering. This is like, you know, thinking out loud. The digital dollar would send Bitcoin to zero. I, I think he's wrong. I think John believes that's probably true too. But we all, we've talked many times about um, what CBDCs are and how they're bad for us and without privacy. And the Tom Emmert is definitely talking about privacy. He's a Republican. I don't remember where he's from, but he, um, he's been, I think it might be North Carolina, but he's been talking about how he's trying to make sure that uh, any CBDC that this country does uh, has privacy included in it so that we don't just get screwed by our government. So one of the things he comments about here is, um, or rather Lynch comments, uh, came as Powell testified before the House Financial Service Committee. He said, I'm worried about uh, a lot of these stable coins and other cryptocurrencies, do they go to zero when we come up with a CBDC that has full faith and credit in the United States behind it? No. Look, just in case uh, Lin, uh, Lynch is unaware, Bitcoin is not based on the U.S. dollar. Bitcoin is its own independent thing. It is not necessarily based in the U.S. as it is a world currency which is dependent on no one particular. Yeah, it might be rated in the value of dollar, but it's not, as we said many, many times, one Bitcoin is equal to one Bitcoin. Now, a Bitcoin does not depend on the U.S. dollar at all. People trade in it, but that doesn't mean it's dependent on it. So we're not worried about it. Uh, let's see here. The uh, He said, Powell said, uh, I've never understood the valuation of these things. Powell indicated it's unclear to him why any cryptocurrency that isn't drawing on the credibility of the dollar, of the dollar <laughs> um, but... As I just said, the problem is it's not that Bitcoin depends on the dollar. It's just a lot of people trade Bitcoin in dollar because the U.S. dollar is a world currency of sorts. You know, uh, El Salvador brought Bitcoin into its country to escape the dollar because they were tired of being dependent upon the dollar. So um, stable coins like Tether have faced penalties. You know, there is an issue with stable coins and uh, Bitcoin is not a stable coin. It is its own entity. Um in fact, it's. I don't think there's even any 
any stable coins based on Bitcoin as of right now. It's all Ethereum or, or other altcoins. So, uh, yeah, this is just pondering aloud. Basically, Powell um, and Lynch are pondering what, what they think will happen to uh, Bitcoin and other coins if, when uh, a CBDC developed by the U.S. federal government comes into being. <laughs> um, I think there's going to be a lot of fight, a lot of uh, kickback, and there's going to be plenty of people who are just like, this is dumb, go ahead and use your thing for, you know, people on disability or Medicare, Medicaid, fine, but we're, we're going to stick to our Bitcoin because we know it's worth more. And um, it's even though the market does shift and Bitcoin itself, price does shift, like I said before, one coin, Bitcoin one equals one Bitcoin. Just because the value of the dollar changes at, with respect to Bitcoin doesn't mean the, the value of Bitcoin changes. No one should be basing the value of Bitcoin on U.S. dollars. But I know a lot of people do. In any case, um, not worried about this. Uh, and whatever they think with Congressman Lynch thinks about CBDCs, I don't believe he's... His opinion is fact in this case. So I'm going to move on to something about Binance here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Say no to CBDCs. Binance U.S. cleared to buy Voyager assets as judge dismisses the Security and Exchange Commission's objections. U.S. bankruptcy judge Michael Wiles uh, has given the Binance U.S. the green light, but the deal is not yet final. So you may remember Voyager Digital was dependent upon 3O's Capital. 3O's Capital went under. Voyager Digital assets uh, declare, or they declared bankruptcy. Judge approved the process and SEC objections be damned. Bankruptcy, uh, Crypto Voyager had to sell its assets. Anyways, or sell its distressed assets to Binance. Um, I, I don't think this is wholly wrong as we've seen uh, when you compare um, FTX or Voyager or Celsius to Binance. Binance is really the only company that has managed to stay strong. It's one of the largest exchanges. It's been the largest exchange for a very long time. And fortunately, it has not failed, even if the Binance fiat, or probably Binance uh, stablecoin is, is being decommissioned. So it's, it's I'm guessing, if, if we look at it from a legitimate standpoint, where else i mean the, the u.s government doesn't want to have anything to do with coins other than its own cbdc <laughs> but uh so it doesn't really want to keep any you know bitcoin ethereum etc so i think this is probably part of the reason they're looking at, at binance that's taking over voyager but it's binance us that's taking over these these u.s associated assets um binance us is the american affiliate of binance the world's largest crypto exchange as i noted before caters to U.S. customers, but can claim that it has, is run independently from Binance. Sure, sure, I'm sure it is, just like TikTok is independent from uh, Chinese TikTok. In late February, the SEC added that it believed Voyager's VGX token may be an unregistered security. The regulator also said that the transactions returned to U.S., uh, return to U assets to U.S. customers may violate its rules against the sale of unregistered securities, thereby calling Binance U.S. an unregistered securities exchange. Uh, these guys just get it straight already. Anyways, uh, crypto broker Voyager went bust in July, as we noted before last year, revealing it had a massive exposure to the failed crypto hedge fund Three Arrows Capital. So, yes, as was so many other things exposed to all kinds of 
financial downfall because everybody was basing the value of their coins on their own coins. Stupid is as stupid does. All right, moving on. I know we're moving pretty fast, but uh, I don't have as much commentary from John. Maybe on Sunday he'll feel better. Thank you, John, for running the, uh, the Twitch stream so everybody can weigh in and watch. Really appreciate that. So, uh, next article is regarding uh, eSports Giants TSM. According to eSports Giants TSM, forges ahead with Web3 Gaming on Avalanche. I'm really excited about this. We talked about this now two weeks ago with uh, Crypto Grady with his deal on, uh, uh, what is it, uh, DeFi Kingdoms. And we've actually done a how-to on DeFi Kingdoms. I, I, I admit I haven't processed it full. There's a lot of little hoops to have to jump through. It's kind of annoying. But that's not what this is about. DeFi Kingdoms is slightly separate from this. So Team Solo Mid will host tournaments on Blitz eSports Avalanche subnet. Despite the, the collapse of FTX and scraped, uh, a, a scraped $200 million uh, naming rights deal, <laughs> sorry, scrapped, I said that wrong, um, Team Solid Mid's affinity for crypto has hasn't sort, soured, rather. In fact, the eSports org, also known as TSM, is now building its own crypto subnetwork on Avalanche to facilitate eSports transactions and tournaments and TSM parent company anyways. So this is, this is great to see that uh, more eSports are going Avalanche. Avalanche seems to be able to support several different games, actually quite a number of games. It's not the only thing here is uh, TSM is known for its League of Legends, if people have ever, have ever played that game. Professional team, while uh, that's actually the team name, not the game name. While Blitz offers in-game overlays for League of Legends, as well as uh, AAA games like Apex Legends and Valorant and Team Flight Tactics, currently boost over 30 million. Probably boasts over 30 million viewer, users. That is an awesome number to see. It's great to see that Avalanche can support this. The one thing I think we talked about this in a different episode. I don't remember exactly which one it was. Where, it ta where um, when you start having a lot of different transactions, you need to make sure that your network is secure and can handle either hundreds of thousands of transactions per, net per second or won't crash when hundreds of thousands or two hundreds of thousands of network of, of transactions attempt. We've already seen what happens on Ethereum. There's only so much you can do, and then you get bottlenecks. Uh, if you're trying to play a game that's based on that, maybe your game doesn't work, and that would really suck. I know that DeFi Kings has their own network that they... Uh, make transactions go through because either because they don't trust or just because the technology isn't there yet for them. So um, I'm excited to see this. I don't personally play these games, but I am really excited to see how Avalanche Network and in general um, crypto crypt, crypto blockchains can be used better to help gaming really work out. It it. The portability of the NFT concept, even though I know what they call true gamers really hate NFTs, it's important to recognize that NFTs are not just here to stay, not because I'm trying to trample on anybody's desires to not have NFTs involved in their games, but from the sense of what NFTs can ultimately do. Because they're so portable, you then can own whatever that thing is. It's one of the great things about DeFi Kingdom with, with their... Um, uh, heroes. Their heroes are literally NFTs. And then all the aspects, this is like a super complex NFT. It's really kind of a slick kind of idea because then your character really belongs to you. It doesn't belong to the company that made the game. And the same thing is going to be true for all these other functionalities. I know a lot of people are doing a lot of different kinds of things like tracking functionality, but just like Dookie Dash 
where the grand prize was obtained by one particularly really good player, and then he sold that trophy, that key, for $1.2 million. I think that's amazing. I mean, it, I, I don't know how that would exactly work for this, but I can see so many different game versions. You play a game really, a game hero or some aspect of a game really, really high, you get that unobtainable thing, and then you just want to leave the game for whatever reason, go move on to a different game, and someone else is like, hey, I'll buy that from me for a million dollars. Of course. You can't necessarily do that with games right now, but this will make it possible. So really excited about this idea. I'm glad to see that they're moving to Avalanche, and I'm glad to see that more AAA games, like these three, are coming. So, sorry that we can't hear impact from John. As I said before, he's a little horse today. That doesn't mean he's a pony. Moving on. Judges scrutinized the SEC over denial of grayscale Bitcoin ETF. So, John and I talked about this quite a bit in the last year. Uh, a lot of tough, all the way back to like February of last year, so now basically a year ago now, um, there have been a number of attempts. In fact, there's been many more than that since before then, but many, many, many attempts of for people to get into um, uh, having an ETF, exchange traded, uh, not fiat function, what is it? I don't know what the F stands for. Um, anyways, exchange traded. Uh, feature <laughs> uh, for for Bitcoin. So the judges are scrutinizing the SEC over the denial of grayscale Bitcoin. But the company's lawsuit against SEC reached a pivotal moment as judges questioned the agency's decision-making. Um, what what was the problem? What was the SEC doing wrong? This is what everybody wants to know. And of course, this, is, this has been the problem with Bitcoin in, in the hands of Gary Gensler pretty much since 2018. Um, was it 2018 when he took over? 2019, I don't remember. It's recently. In any case, uh, since Uncle Gary, and like you say, Gary's not an idiot, but he's playing this really weird political game. And we don't really fully understand how that works. And so he's kind of like this weird force tactics. Um, yeah, there you go. F is for fraud, right. Uh, <laughs> um, or fun, sorry. Um, so exchange traded fun, my bad. Uh, in any case, uh, He's been playing this weird kind of like shadow game where he's been stepping on people and trying to convince them to just go the right way with the way the SEC works with fiat. And uh, a lot of people are just, can you just come out and say what you mean instead of, you know, bullying your way into getting people to do what you want them to do? I don't know if it's because Gary knows that the U.S. government has, you know, quote unquote, infinite money and can just, you know, sue people into the ground. Or if it's because he's trying to play a balancing game. It's kind of a weird um, perspective. So the questions came along during oral arguments in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit, overseen by blah, blah, blah. Grayscale initiated legal action against the SEC in June of last year after an application to convert its Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, or GBTC, into a spot market for Bitcoin ETF was rejected. A core element of the SEC's argument delivered by the senior uh, counsel was whether fraud and manipulation in the spot market impacts futures markets in the same way. So uh, they're kind of holding off because they're like, well, we don't want people to, to, to fraud, right? <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of unfortunate in that sense that uh, the SEC thinks this. But like I said before, Gary has been very hush-hush and weird about his uh, trying to enforce the rules on how this works. And honestly, if we're being realistic, I think I know why. It's because calling out the law... Uh, when you don't really have a law to base it on explicitly, 
puts you in a difficult position because you know now you've told people what to do and there's no law behind it so we can't really say definitively if, yeah exactly he's mon he's managing risk that's exactly right Paulie. um it seems there's a bit uh, quite a bit of information on how these markets work together the commission really needs to explain how it understands the relationship between bitcoin futures and the spot price of bitcoin so as I was making a point, there's complications and no one really wants to say yay or nay until they know what it means. The same risk of fraud and manipulation that's currently avowed in Bitcoin products for trade in the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, CME. Currently, the shares of GBC trade at slightly less than the underlying value of Bitcoin held in grayscale and it's, uh, is trust partly due to the product's structure, which prevents shares from being redeemed for Bitcoin. So... This, this is also part of the problem we're struggling with. Um, and that's, that's really what it comes down to is that no one can find a definitive way of saying this is, this is how it works. And, I, and we, it's been pretty clear. I mean, not clear in the sense of defined law, but clear in the sense of the way that Gary Gensler has been treating uh, Bitcoin companies is that they're just treating them in this kind of like vague, not completed concept or ideal unfair but um we're talking about billions of dollars we already know how many billions of dollars have gone out the door from theft so <laughs> nothing new there exactly john right that is true uh paying premium for higher price of bitcoin yeah i agree with you paulie um all right they're going to the last article which is jack dorsey's block Reveals plans for Bitcoin mining development kit. It's kind of fascinating to me. Maybe not everybody's into this. But uh, to me, because I am a miner, or, well, I was for a long time, I still technically am mining, just not Bitcoin. The company hopes to see developers integrate mining into heating solutions, off-grid mining, home mining, and intermittent power applications. So if you can take it from the standpoint of what Jack Dorsey started with, you know, he started with Twitter back in you know, 2007, I think, um, and as a person who is into tech in general and disruption, which is what Twitter really was in its early days, um, it kind of makes sense of what he's doing now. I mean, he moved away from Twitter, you know, completely dropped away from it. Uh, they do have their own version, which we mentioned in a previous podcast called Blue Sky, which is going to be blockchain-based Twitter, basically. Um, but uh, a lot of what he seems to be focusing on now is uh, things based on blockchain, but not controlled by blockchain. Um, and so he's not trying to control the companies. He's just trying to build things on top of it. And what I, I see him doing in particular with this, <laughs> I find it funny when you mention heating solutions. Um, I've actually been using the, uh, the servers that I own in my garage uh, while I didn't have access to my shop as a way of heating or producing more heat. And it's like, to me, when it comes to mining, especially now that it's not worth it to mine, it's as in you can't make enough to cover cost of, of power. Um, if you had a small device that's the size of like a block heater, it's like a, a localized room heater that just happened to mine some kind of coin and heat your room at the same time, hey, you're making money. You're, you're not going to offset the cost of electricity, but you wouldn't have anyways with the electricity that you were you know using to heat your room. Um, but you could be making coin simultaneously. And honestly, a uh, uh, blockchain room heater is a brilliant idea, in my opinion. Um, I have, I don't know if you guys can hear the noise, but I have three of them sitting behind me. <laughs> so, uh, but he's also talking about off-grid mining. It's something I'm personally into. 
um, home mining, which is something that there was a company called CoinMine One, where they made the, the device called the One. Uh, CoinMine was the name of the company. They unfortunately folded last year in June, and I was really really into that idea, but the company completely dissolved. So not not super. Um, I'm disappointed that they didn't hold on a little bit longer, but I think they already knew that their their time had come. Uh, and he also mentions intermittent power applications. Now, that is something I can speak ex explicitly to in particular. I don't want to see if I'm running out of time. Nope, we got time. Um, is that uh, one of the big problems that California has, and I've, I personally am somewhat involved in uh, renewable energy. There's a big area uh, near the Bay Area that's just east of, of the San Francisco Bay Area um, called the Ultimate Pass. And there are literally hundreds of windmills sitting up over the past. Now, it's the reason. There's a reason for this. That area of the world is one of the windiest inland places there is in the world. It is so ridiculously windy there all the time. There's never a time when there's not wind blowing. And because of that, people put up a bunch of windmills. And so uh, the thing that always blows my mind is when I go through the Ultimate Pass, and there's the windmills are out there and they're not running. There's a reason for that. The reason is. And I've talked to PG&E about this, Pacific Gas and Electric. They, they collect most of the power for from those windmills. Is they don't need the power. And to me, that's just dumb. You should be running those windmills 24-7. Just let the wind blow them. Just continue to let them run. Why turn them off? Well, it's because there are certain hours of the day when they just don't need the power. And and I say, that's stupid. That What, what Jack Dorsey is talking about here, or at least what he's alluding to with this intermittent power applications is uh, that if you let them run all the time and redirect that power to crypto mining, then you actually have a way of storing the power in a different sense. Um, and this was a, a proposal I'd actually put up to a company, actually to PG&E and local, the local um, Sacramento uh, Municipal Utility District here um, to try to get them, convince them to say, look, if we just turn all the solar on, turn all the wave motion, turn all the everything on, I'm not talking about non-renewable sources, but in particular the windmills, uh, then we could actually use that power for something that is mining, literally supporting the blockchain, securing the blockchain. So I think it would be beneficial to just leave them all on and just redirect that power to my crypto mining. And I think Jack Dorsey has a really good point in this particular situation. So he's developing new ideas, in particular this, this development kit, a do-it-yourself kit to spur in innovation in, in Bitcoin mining hardware. And I think that's it's smart. If you build a system for people to use um, that makes it easier to, to just build the concept instead of having to do ad hoc, I think that's not a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyways, uh, yeah, it's Block is uh, Jack Dorsey's new company. Well, it's it was Square before, and now they've turned it into a blockchain company. And now they're um, trying to develop on blockchain to just figure out different ways of doing crypto things. And, I, man, I wish I had his money so I could do the same stuff because I'm trying to do it. I just don't have billions of dollars at my beck and call. I'm sure it's much more complicated than I'm making it out to be, but I'm still interested in the idea, so... Um, there was a, I think, just as an offense, I, I, one of the companies that was, I can't remember if it was Riot, I think it was Riot Mining in Texas had built their own um, a natural gas power plant so that they could um, basically run their mining straight off of that. And I thought that was kind of brilliant because they needed a lot of power. And so they literally built their own plant. 
Now, obviously, things have changed a lot and they have to sell a lot of their hardware. I, I don't even know if, if they're even in business anymore. But when things were booming, it was looking like they were going to be running their own power grid. And then at one point during the summer, I do remember this in particular, they actually uh, turned off a lot of their mining equipment, turned a lot of the power back to the local Texas grid, and the Texas grid paid them $10 million to doing that for just three days. Oh, that'd be amazing. That was exactly what I wanted to do here in California. But yeah, nobody seems to understand what I'm talking about. It's the curse of knowledge. Well, that's, uh, that's all we got for this. What are you guys talking about here in the chat? Ran for local office, lost by one vote. Okay. <laughs> uh, that sucks. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for participating, everybody in the chat. I appreciate you guys. Uh, please check out our links here. We got uh, ways you can donate if you appreciate our content. We have all kinds of coin methods for donating. We also have all of our social media at the bottom of the list in the coin tree. You can obviously donate to Patreon. Actually, let me just talk to Patreon real quick. Um, Patreon, there are uh, all of our po- all of our uh, podcasts. Every single podcast we do, all the pre-show stuff and the show stuff, the actual podcast itself goes into Patreon. So if you missed the pre-show, and I know a lot of people have missed the pre-show, you can go to Patreon and get it. It's only three bucks a month. And if you want to get our um, the entire uh, listing for all, I mean, all the stuff, the pre-show, post-show stuff for all of our interviews, that's also on Patreon, but that's a $5 a month thing. So if you want to get all the Patreon stuff that is interviews and shows, pre-show stuff and post-show stuff, the only way to get it now, unless you listen to it live, is on Patreon. So please check that out. Donate to us. We really appreciate that. You can always, if you're watching us on YouTube or on, on Anchor, Spotify, etc., uh, you can just, you know, vote up or give us a thumbs up. We always appreciate it. And subscribe to our content. We appreciate you listening to us on a bi-weekly basis. Uh, you can also come and check us out in uh, Discord. There's always a lot of stuff going on. We have our own coin. You can even get the coin. And you can even buy stuff with our coin. It's not just a coin for the sake of a coin. It's actually functional. There's a, a lot of stuff that John has created and put up. It's available for purchase using the C3 Media token. And you can please check that out in our Discord channel. And all one last thing I want to say before we go, we're going to have, um, let me pull up my calendar really quick because I can't remember the name of the guy. Uh, Axis, uh, Alexis Joker from Polygon Studios will be here tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Uh, and then, of course, the rest of the month, uh, and, and falling off even into April, we will have every single Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific more guest podcasts. Last week we had... Um, uh, what was his name? Louis uh, Alexio uh, of Brick PC out of Australia and Melbourne. And prior to that, we had we actually don't, we missed Sean because he had an emergency. And then we had uh, Crypto Grady, as I said, two weeks prior uh, in DeFi Kingdom. So lots of guest podcasts coming out. Please check out the content. We really appreciate you guys. Thanks everyone for listening. And as John and I would say, if he were here, stack shots and hodl. Adios.